0: when we met um and we did a long interview mm-hmm. and you talked to me about a, a lot of parts of your life one of the things that was particularly interesting was your um story of how you heard about a support group and how you felt about the idea of joining a support group can you just go over that
1: yeah it was um it was birch Grave. we had a I don't know if there's a flyer or an application to get, to go on a, a weekend away. A self-help weekend away. Positive haemophiliacs coming together. And I remember just thinking, there's no way I'm going to a freaking namby-pamby weekend of load of whinging, moaning, self-pitying haemophiliacs going on about their, <laughs> their blood disorders and their viruses. Um, I just didn't want to do it and my wife made me <laughs> i'm not quite sure how but she got me she took me kicking and screaming and i could probably say it's one of the best weekends i've ever had in my life um it was just a, a revelation to to sit in a room and listen to people saying the exact same things i'd been thinking and saying for the for years it was just a huge relief
0: and Owen, I think if I remember rightly, you also had fairly negative feelings about the idea of getting support from peers and other people with hemophilia. What are your feelings on this one?
2: When I was first diagnosed that day at the hospital I wanted nothing to do with anybody else with hemophilia because I was assuming that the majority of the ones that I met would be in the same situation as me. I was scared. I wanted and I needed to be strong. And the last thing that I wanted was to talk to other people with haemophilia and HIV. Because I expect I was scared that I was going to die and I was scared that they were going to die. And it was just all too much. However, when I was first diagnosed, one of the first things I did was go to a weekend run by an organisation in London called Body Positive which was mainly about 75% gay men and a few straight women. I was the only straight guy there at this weekend. There were about 60 or 70 people. And it was a turning point for me. Because just as Mick had said, although these people didn't have hemophilia, the majority of these people were gay men who'd been diagnosed with HIV at roughly the same time as me. And what was good for me was it didn't seem to matter, the fact that I got it through blood products and they got it presumably through sex that that wasn't an issue for that weekend and i learned an awful lot about myself and thinking back on it probably subconsciously made decisions that i wasn't just going to give up and i was going to try and get on with my life so that was very important to me
0: you made an interesting comment there when you said i needed to be strong and if i met people with haemophilia and hiv Does that mean you feel they wouldn't be strong or wouldn't allow you to be strong? What what was your thinking about that?
2: I think I I saw, and I got myself in trouble with this before, but I'm still going to say what I think. Um, I think I saw a lot of the other people with haemophilia as weak. A lot of the people I met at that time with haemophilia were affected by it far worse than me anyway, never mind HIV, and I didn't really want anything to do with them anyway because it sort of reminded me of what I had and a very selfish thing indeed. But yes, I think I saw most of the people I met at the clinics as being weaker than me.
0: Mick, when you were talking about the idea of getting the letter from Birch Grove and you had this view that there'd be all these people sitting around feeling sorry for themselves, where Mm. did you get that idea from?
1: All self-help groups were a bunch of namby-pambys, that's what I thought. Um, And I think, to some degree, um, the same as Owen, um, I did see a proportion, a large proportion of the haemophiliac community as very weak Um, And I still, I think, to a degree, do today. I see haemophiliacs in in two specific types, as as the ones that have been wrapped up in cotton wool all their lives by their parents and never been allowed to do anything. Um, So they are grown up exactly like that. And I've actually, I don't know, either by by chance or actually seeked out partners that do the same, that carry on that mothering effect. Um, And then there are... Hemophiliacs like myself, friends of mine, Owen, who who get on, who don't whinge and moan about their 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 joint problems, their pain, um, their status. So I suppose that all I thought was I was going to end up in a room with all them.
0: Why did it change?
1: For me, it changed that weekend. It was just a huge change from from going there on the Friday, checking in spending, I think we were up till 5, 6 o'clock in the morning in the bar and we just wouldn't go and we kept drinking all that long until the meeting on the Sunday where the idea of this meeting was to get more people involved in Birchgrove because it had grown so much that the four original people could not manage it anymore. So we all went to this group um, and volunteered to do different things. Now, from I went from from not wanting anybody to know whatsoever, and didn't want to talk to no Namby Pamby girly hemo's, to putting my name down as the Birchgrove PR representative, <laughs> wanting to do all the radio talk shows and everything. So it was like just a huge, massive U-turn.
0: And what what was it? What made that U-turn? I'm not
1: on my own. I'm not on my own, and I'm not mad. I'm not. Pathetic and stupid about thinking all the things I've been thinking about. Um, and I think there it, There were people worse off than me. There were people who were contemplating killing themselves. And, and for me, it wasn't the end of my world when I was told I was HIV positive. My life has trickled on, you know, and, and progressed and progressed. So it's never... I've never been desperate through HIV. Um, and I met people who had and were
2: which made me feel strong.
0: And Owen, for you, that moment, that difference?
2: I think most of it was probably just a natural progression and that the longer I lived with this, the more I realised that I had choices I could just give up or I could do something about it
0: when you talked earlier you said that you were very scared and very frightened about what was going on how significant has your involvement with these support groups been to minimize that that fear for you
2: because i can talk with other people about the scary things that have happened to me and we can laugh about them and scary things still do happen to lots of us um we we have scary stuff going on with our bodies all the time, even those of us who are on treatment. Hemophilia, HIV, Hep C, maybe VCJD, they all affect your body in the weirdest, most frightening ways. And some of us have had near-death experiences more than once and still have really scary times when they have to go for blood tests and they don't know what's wrong with them and all sorts of things. But when you get together with someone else and you talk about them and you can laugh about them, that's really helpful.
0: Mick, your, your involvement in Birch Grove from that first weekend became quite significant in your life, didn't it? Yeah. Can, can you just talk about what Birch Grove is and what you do get out of it?
1: It was a self-help group. It was set up in the, in the late 80s by positive haemophiliacs who decided to get together because they felt that it, it was needed. And it sort of grew from there. And it's heyday, I mean it was a subgroup from the Hemophilia community. It was quite big. We had the national office and four four separate offices around the UK. Um and we produced a I can't remember if it was a monthly newsletter at the time or a quarterly, I think it was always been a quarterly newsletter. And that kept on until um either last year or the year before was the last one and it's continuing to run now but only online on a website um and we we periodically put updates that we know of on there
0: how significant was the information around your condition um coming from birch grove as opposed to maybe the hospital or the healthcare service
1: for me and other people I've spoke to you don't we never used to get information from the haematology the unit, the haemophilia unit. You'd, you'd never got it in them do- days. And to an extent, you don't get it now. They try and be more open, but they're not. So I think we gave a good range of, of everything around HIV and being haemophilia in the newsletter, stuff that other haemophiliacs could understand, they could relate to, um, was in English instead of medical speak. Um... And just a a good all-round source of information and and support, Mm -hmm. which you would not get, and still to this day I don't think we'll get from a haemophilia unit.
0: You, Mick, mentioned that you have these men-only weekends with yes. people who have him, figure, and HIV, and I know that that's not always the weekends. The weekends are often with your partner's friends. Sometimes there are parents and such like at the weekends. Are they? How different is the men's only weekend?
1: I think it, it, I suppose it's it's not so different than when any bunch of men get together. We're different. You know, we are different. There's no way I... I I reduce my swearing and my vulgarity and uh, my obnoxiousness when I'm around my wife. Whereas when I'm with men, but specifically haemophilia men at the weekends, I let it all rip. I'll just say what I feel.
0: Because it's quite interesting, isn't it, that... that Your earlier comments about, you know, things being namby-pamby, etc., you know, people holding each other's hands and talking about how they feel, tends to be something that is often associated with something that women do, but men don't do. And I'm just wondering how much that impacted on how you originally felt about the whole idea of going to support groups, because they clearly would be all men. What about you, Owen?
2: Haemophilia itself mainly affects men. So it has been an issue of sharing it with the same people, then you're going to share it with men. However, also, one of the biggest problems, for certainly for straight men, and I'm a straight man, and talking about the problems I had when I was diagnosed was about relationships with women. And talking to other straight men with haemophilia and HIV, I found the same. So, really... One of our biggest concerns was around relationships with women, and yet we were meeting up as men to talk about that, which may or may not have been helpful. I don't know. However, I also talk to to people's partners at weekends, and often I find that they're going, here, go and tell my husband what an arsehole he is. I don't go over and say you're an arsehole, but I talk to him about... We were talking earlier about how you learn from other people. And quite often I find that certainly the women who come with their guys with haemophilia talk to some of us and say, I wish you'd tell my husband that or my boyfriend that. So we tell our husband or a boyfriend that, whatever it might be. And they go, oh, yeah. So there's a dynamic going on there, mm. yeah.
0: You must get lots of evaluations from people who go to these weekends telling you how it's been and what they've got out of it. What are the sort of things that people say to you?
2: What you've got to remember is that a lot of the guys, it happened to them when they were babies... And it's all they've ever known. Some of them, everybody's reacted to that in a different way. But one of them, the things that still actually frightens me a bit is I meet people who haven't spoken to anyone with haemophilia for years and years and years, let alone someone with haemophilia and HIV and hepatitis C. Yeah. But by the end of the weekend, they've sat there and they've talked into the small hours of the morning. And we've had a laugh and we've been irreverent and we've been stupid. But at the same time, we've also talked to them about things, very simple things like HIV medication. A lot of the, the younger guys I talk to don't even know what tablets they're taking. Maybe that's a good thing because they just take them and, and get on with their life. I don't know, but I would find that quite scary. A lot of people still go to their haemophilia centre for their haemophilia care, their HIV care and their hepatitis C care which I, I think is madness I think that what you need is good shared care which is something you have to fight for in most health authorities but there, there are a lot of things that a lot of people learn and that is the sort of evaluation I get back from people is they say, my god I was scared of coming here but I'm so glad I came here
0: If I was to ask both of you then, on the whole subject of peer group support, somebody who came along to you and said, should I or should I not be involved in something like that? What would your advice now be to people?
2: I would say to anybody that is, what can you lose? When I went along to my first body positive weekend, I, I remember being quite quite worried about going but i remember also thinking well you got to lose don't like it just go home i mean it's not a major deal you can go along and you can try it if you don't like it and it doesn't do anything for you as long as you give it enough time then go but i know very few people over the years that i've been involved in attending and organizing weekends i know very few people who have come along and left
0: on the whole concept of group involvement for any condition why do you think i mean there are a lot of groups out there for people with chronic illnesses what do you think a group can achieve that an individual might not be able to achieve
1: you tend not to believe one perspective if you've got 10 people saying the same thing that you're actually thinking as well then you think okay it is real and it's okay and it's acceptable and it's normal and I'm not, you know, going off the planet with this. And plus, it it feels warmer. There's more people to to share the burden with.
0: And, Owen, if I was to say to you, you know, what's the success of these groups? You've seen them now over many, many years being very successful, and as you say, people keep coming back and very few don't. Why?
2: I don't know, I suspect because up until now, a lot of people... Up until people come to events or groups, they've been very isolated. And it's interesting as well that there are people over the years that I've been involved who have come and don't come anymore because they're getting on with their lives. Mm. And that really should be what it's about as far as I'm concerned. We should be supporting people to get on with their lives.
1: From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.